Hello, guests. Thank you for coming back uh, again this week. This is a part of the uh, marathon run in the cities. Uh, shout out to Sarah Allen for lending your apartment to us so that we could do this in beautiful Burbank, California. Today's guest is just, you know, a, a comrade in arms, so to speak, when it comes to podcast arms, as well as microphone arms, as well as. Well, we're both vertically challenged, so just arms in general. Arms in general, yeah. <laughs> um, Jake, thank you uh, for being here. Chris, uh, my pleasure. Always, I always love uh, when you when I see posts of yours where it's like, do you need a guest? I think I always right away am like, in, <laughs> let's go, let's do it. And then I'm classic for, yeah, let's do it. And then day comes and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I said what? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to, that's not going to work out, but today was perfect. Uh, very good to see you again. Yeah. How's uh how's the kiddo? Kiddo's good. Turned, uh, turned 13 since the last we spoke. Oh my. Uh, it's getting all that teenage sass. Yeah. Something furious. Uh, you've got two. Yeah. Right? My, I was going to say my son turned 13 in May. There it is. Yep. Uh, so you kind of, are you experiencing kind of the, the the little bit of teenage angst or the 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 rebellion against small things as chores. Yes. Or, I was know. gonna say small things. Yep. Yeah. Nothing out of control, but right. do the dishes. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's it's not that's, even that he'll say no. He just will agree and then find a way to like slowly get away from that thing. It sounds and like then we it, both forget about it. It sounds like me with your podcasting. <laughs> so it's perfect. I just Get in there and then slyly slip kind of away and then completely forget. But. <laughs> um, so this is fun for me. So how did you get into like wanting to to be, because I would imagine, um, you know, podcasting didn't really come around until what, like 2000? Something around there. Like that little purple thing popping up on on iPhones came in or? about two thousand, and then shows really started building about two thousand two or so. I would yeah. say some random ones where you're like, "Who the fuck is Mark Marin?" Yeah, <laughs> right. Why does why does Apple have so many stories about stories? It just yeah, made no yeah. sense. Uh, I always wanted to get into broadcasting of some sort of way. You know, you you would always I would always pretend to be a radio DJ. Music would come on. You do the ramp ups or like the fade outs type of thing. Always really wanted to be into that. And I was a good student. I was a good, not great student. I was going to say, it sounded like there was a question mark at the end of it. It was, it was, I, I could do the work. I didn't want to do the work. So I was capable of doing the work. I was a smart kid. I knew how the work worked. I just didn't do it. I just got lazy with it. So obviously then grades falter. You know, colleges don't really, you know, smile upon that. (laughs) To be honest, I had really no idea what kind of vision I had going out of high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to school because I hated school as is. Mm. I didn't want to go to work um, because I'm the type of guy who when I put myself into work, I really put myself into work. Okay. Um, and after I graduated high school, I thought that I was going to be like the next Brad Pitt, as most kids coming out of high school were. You know, I was really into drama and acting. So, oh, okay. So, gotcha. be, so being in front of uh, an audience and speaking and live speaking, I had no worries about that at all. And I had tried out for a children's theater 
uh, traveling children's theater who pretty much went from town to town doing like PSA type of no stuff way. to like yeah to like grade schools and stuff. And I I tried out for it. I had a monologue and everything that I did for them, and <laughs> I had a second audition. And in the second audition, like they would show you you know videos of what they would do in the towns. I like try to like the the this has got to be awesome, you know, come join our company type of thing. The promotional video that really kind of got you. Yeah. Like Scientology. Yeah. Totally didn't get the job. Um, (laughs) and I'd never really kind of, uh, had a backup. That was just my thing. And instead of continuing to try, as soon as I failed at that one, I was like, well, I suck. I'm not doing this. I'm out. (laughs) Time to be done with that. And I really just immersed myself into the workforce. Um, Still forever wanting to be in broadcasting. Forever wanted to be in broadcasting. Thought that if we could, you know, the classic, if you see uh, a live radio show, if you can hobnob enough with Mm. them, they'll let you in. No, it doesn't work that way either. So, you know, it was kind of that backfall of, well, if you can't get on live terrestrial radio in the Twin Cities, maybe podcasting might be it. So then after that, I really wanted to get into podcasting and you start having the shows that you listen to. And then you think about formats that you would really want to get into. And then I got married and had a kid and all the thought process behind getting into broadcasting got thrown away. Mm. Just, I didn't have the time and I didn't have the skills or the, the passion, I guess, behind it yet. Mm. Um, But it was something that I really, really wanted to do. So, uh, marriage ran its course. Uh, we legitimately just, we had our times together. Uh, she's a great person. She's an amazing mother to my son. Um, she's got a fantastic, uh, fella in her life who takes care of her and watches after her. And I couldn't wish more for her. Once I got divorced, I learned that you have to keep your mind occupied with about three, three or four things that can't be just sitting around watching movies or else you'll, you'll go nuts. So figure out some sort of hobbies brought me back to podcasting and I made connections with other people who did podcasting. Uh, there was a guy, I think I, we had chatted briefly about a Las Vegas DJ in the area who had married a flight attendant who was also from the area. <laughs> right. Just random happenstance. Typical podcast story, of course. Of course. And <laughs> he was he started him he started a live network and oh. he was looking for shows. And so right then and there it's like this is my in. This is how I'm going to get into podcasting. And he came to me and I came I went to him. He was a live DJ did spun records at a restaurant. On Saturday nights. Okay. Which it's like weird, but interesting at the same time. So went to him, pitched my idea for a podcast. He pitched a different idea, kind of the same premise, just a couple different changes here and there. Said, sounds good. I got to talk to these guys, see if these guys want to do that with me for this. Sure. And since then, it just stuck. Um, And it's so funny now that even when you see the word podcast or podcasting, like I, I don't know if you do this too, where all of a sudden like your eyes perk up or like, you're like, Oh, what? Somebody's got a podcast. Somebody wants to oh, talk dude. podcasting. Let's go. I mean, 
like one of the the big things for me like when i when i started like when i finally was like i i want to do this um i would listen to other shows and be like god that audio sounds like dick (laughs) like and it would be people were it's like i know you've got money right and even if you don't have a lot of money it's not that hard to get stuff that doesn't sound garbled and you know that's not peaking or i just it drove me nuts so mm-hmm. i started to like really dive into it's more than just having like a funny idea because a lot of there was a lot of there was a boom of of podcasts especially over the pandemic like um way more people were getting into it but um once people started to learn how successful joe rogan was they were like, oh, I wasn't aware that there was any lucrative aspect of mm. podcasting. I thought it was just middle-aged white guys talking about the government. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or pizza. Or, or pizza. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> or remember back when? Right. <laughs> back in my day. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. Um, but yeah, it, so it was more than, than just having these like funny little, you know, bits or whatever, because- but the people who do like Zoom podcasts and stuff like that, it's like unlistenable. It's very difficult. But the the stuff that I, I wanted to talk to you about, and <clears throat> you brought it up briefly, the the marriage aspect of things yeah. and, and that relationship that you have. Because I noticed uh, when you and your son came over, like, I don't know, it just it, it seemed very effortless these, when you guys came in. These last couple of years, especially through the pandemic, um. I've done everything I possibly can to be a lot more present for my kiddo. I know that when I got started in podcasting, this is a perfect transition. When I got started into podcasting, like I said, I put a lot of effort and into my work. And there were times where I realized I was in studio four to five nights a week. Mm. And being a dad, you know, and trying to cover podcasting and being a dad at the same time, it's tough because it's like recording schedule, got to focus on the show. Kiddos over here, got to focus on the kid. So I'd bring him with me to studio. Um, and legitimately he would zone out on a, a screen and with, you know, just here's dinner, here's a screen. Dad'll be done in like three to four hours once he's done with all of these shows. Mm. And it, it took a toll after a while. And it finally took, honestly, it took my ex, to tell me like you need to be more present for him like you're just not there and she was 100 percent right i was not there i was too focused on all of this stuff so i had to take that step back and say okay i'm not going in studio nearly as much we can do something remote and i could just monitor while you guys do it i don't have to be a part of it that way i could be more for my kiddos so started doing more stuff from home so now we're at home now he's actually seeing how we're doing this we're starting to bring him into it as well. So he's having guest spots on shows. He's, mm. he's uh, creating sounders for us. He's helping us with some of the, uh, the ideas. Um, and by doing that, my relationship with him has grown immensely. Um, to the point where I think back to my childhood and growing up, where legitimately, uh, my old man did a lot of work. He worked sun up from uh, sun up to sundown. He was a busy, busy mm. guy. So 
when weekends would come, like obviously he deserved his couple of days off. And we just didn't do much as a family, like outside of the house. We visited family and stuff like that, but like going to movies or, or, uh, you know, events or going to parks or we just didn't do that nearly as much. And so those experiences I missed out on as a kid, I wanted to include him in on. So I'm working on podcasting. I want you to enjoy this experience as well. Um, the things that have come out of podcasting, the people that I've met and the opportunities that I've been able to have, I've been able to bring him with me for those so he can see all of this as well. Now, that's helped him spark his creative, which is awesome because now he's working on uh, editing YouTube videos, hey. creating, being a, a creator himself with things consistently uh, and continuously <laughs> watching stuff to try to pick up different hints and mm. tips on how to do stuff better. It's so much fun. And so to see his mind work the way my mind works, it kind of helps meld it together um, a lot better. And I definitely know that his relationship with his mom is different than his relationship with me. Um, they've got a very strong relationship as well. It's just we do different things, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and it's awesome. It's so much fun for him to be able to experience all of that right now. So with the, the ex, how did you guys meet? Best Buy. So I worked, we used to work together at Best Buy. She and I, I was working for a product placement team where we would travel the country doing resets and remodels and then end up putting up, you know, uh, new fixtures, new displays, all of that fun stuff. We did it overnights and we needed somebody for the team and somebody on the team knew her. She came on, we met through that. Um, yeah. And through you know you end up traveling so much you end up getting to know each other a lot and the more we got to know each other we ended up spending most of our time together in there and then we ended up getting together and got itched so how long were you guys together before you got married uh maybe seven eight months okay i i was listening to this podcast where the two hosts recently broke up but they're still podcasting together mm -hmm. And we also watched um, Mormon No More, okay, which is about uh, these two individuals realizing that they uh, are gay and um, leaving their husbands, and and these two ending up uh, at the end of the series getting married. Um, oh, that's fantastic! <clears throat> but the you've got one husband who is not like thumbs up, like this is rad. It's just like, this is what it is. Mm. I need to adapt. And he's very involved, uh, hangs out with them uh, as, as a family and, and, and these things. And while the other husband is like, I want zero relationship with your new partner. Like, I don't really, I don't want to be a part of that. I can't, Interesting. I can't handle that. There's, you know, caveats to like the Mormon religion. And like, I, I kind of know things as to, I, I'm assuming why it was so tough for him. On top of like, I personally like accept like what a jealous individual I am and I wouldn't be able to do it either. Like I, I know this about myself. So when we came to Minnesota, I, I, I started to notice like these married couples that got divorced that would hang out with each other and like go on vacations and shit. Where did you come from? Oregon. Okay. And maybe, maybe the Mormonism is an aspect of why, like, because when you break, you're breaking a covenant, you're mm -hmm. not just getting divorced, you're breaking a covenant. Right. Um, so I, it was just, even still, it's, it's so 
hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah. So I'm curious as to like what that evolution looked like for you. It was very difficult. Right in the beginning, it was very difficult because you want to be that person for that person forever. Right? Mm. My, my family is very religious based. And for me, yeah, I've, you've seen marriages and divorces in our family and I didn't want to be one of those. I didn't want to be a married and divorced person who's in our family uh, because there's already been a couple and I didn't want to. And the, it's weird because the fear base around that is just, it's so sad. It, it, sometimes people just run their course. Yeah. When we were first splitting. Um, well, I'm curious as to like what, you know, would you guys have arguments where you're like, well, maybe we just shouldn't be together. Oh, always. Okay. That's always, there was always that. And then there was always, what do we need to do to, to make this marriage work? How do we need to change things? And the more that, you, you know, you thought about how I can change things or how I can make things different in the relationship, the other person sees things differently. Mm. But for myself, I was so focused on what can I do? What can I do to make our relationship better? How can I fix it? Instead of thinking about how can we together fix it? So I tried to take most of it on me for fixing it. And that's the ego par- portion of me where it's like the, the, the relator and the fixer of things. I'm always trying to be a fixer. I'm trying to make things work as much as I possibly can. Um, time-wise, things that are broken around the house, mm. relationships, um, just as much as I possibly can, I don't like broken things. And in a way, I found our relationship as a broken relationship. Uh, and most of the time, she was just legitimately telling me her feelings. You know, I feel like... You know, you neglect things around the house sometimes. I took that so personal to the point of, sorry, I'm the worst person in the world. I do everything that I possibly can to fix it. Mm. I totally internalized all of it instead of just hearing what she had to say. And I still do it today. There are still times today where I take things too personally, where it's like, it's not against you. It's just what it is. So there were times where, yes, there were fights where like, I I don't think this is going to work anymore. This is done. And then for us, we always try to do the one thing better. You need one more thing, right? Okay. You know, you did the, the, at the time when we get married, it'll be better. Okay. Mm, Things start falling apart. Well, maybe when we get our own place, it'll be better. I see. This didn't really work out. Maybe if we get our own house, we got to stop renting an apartment. It'll be better. And maybe if we have a kid, it'll get better. And it just never got better. Um, because I held, I held so many insecurities with just everything that, you know, it just made the relationship worse. Mm. Well, it it, it sounds like what I've heard before, which is this hunting for something that, uh, brings that feeling of content Mm -hmm. that absent of content can be really heavy and just feel like a void. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it, I don't know. It's hard to describe like for somebody, if, like if you don't have anxiety, um, then it's a little tougher to describe. Luckily, I, I mean, I think people have more of a, an understanding of it than they used to. But when it comes to this feeling of a thing not being there, it's not just a feeling of something not being there. What does that mean if there's not this thing there? Right. And 
what what am I what am I missing? So there's this panic that comes along with that, mm-hmm. and this urgency to correct it so that this looming catastrophe doesn't happen. And the way that I saw it was that I have to be the one mm. who has to fix it. I have to be the one who does it. You know, instead of working as a compromise with my partner, I try to take everything on myself, which, you know, just doesn't work. Right. You have to be able to rely on your partner. You have to be able to talk with your partner about these things. You have to be able to work together. And I never work together. I just try to do it all myself. Mm. That's, that's, that's so detrimental to yourself because then the more you do that, the more you're causing issues because then you're shutting that person out even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, and I, I did that for so long to the point where she just couldn't do that anymore. You know, she couldn't take the fact that, yeah, legitimately, dude, you're not making it a partnership. It's a one-sided deal. And I, I've done it in relationships. I've, I've done it in my current relationship and I've realized and after, uh, you know, many a therapy sessions, understanding that, yes, that I need to let some of this stuff go. I can't control all of it. Um, and it, on top of it, sometimes there's not an issue. Oh, sure. There's not an issue. Yeah. Sometimes it's just one of those things where it's like, I just have to say this and then we can let it go and move on. You know, take it how you will change how you will because of it or don't change if you don't think it's an issue, you know, but communication's key, man. And I didn't do that. And I didn't have that with her. And so it caused more issues, you know, and it caused even more issues because I didn't recognize it and I didn't realize it. And I continued to do it. And I continued just to dig myself deeper and deeper and deeper into the holes of it, you know, playing the victim. Mm. You know, well, when you're when you're trying to fix something and somebody is, you know, bringing in new information or like new complaints, Mm -hmm. um, it it feels offensive because you're working so hard as Mm -hmm. it is like I'm doing my best to keep the most important thing together right now. Like you got you you're going to complain about that now. Do you have any idea what I've been doing? And like, it becomes a point of contention. Right. Like, like I haven't done enough. Right. Yeah. And in, in the long run, oh, you haven't done enough. <laughs> you're doing too much of yeah. the, what you perceive as the right thing. Right. But you're not doing enough of what really needs to be worked on. Yeah. Like I, it's funny when we were talking about the, you know, investing too much into podcasting time, mm-hmm. I was editing my ass off constantly, especially for the comedy one. Um, because there's, you know, photos that need to go in, there's little clips, there's yep. all this shit that like to make a joke hit harder that you do whatever mm. we, cause we've stopped that podcast now, but I, I didn't realize how much it helped. All I started doing with my wife is we lay in bed and watch something on Netflix or what. So like the biggest thing that I could do was just being laying next to her. Yeah. And just being in the moment with whatever, you know, she wanted to watch or so it, it, I I connect with that like feeling of we're doing something wrong mm-hmm. and sometimes it just takes doing nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's the smallest thing, you know. Uh we've got a beautiful little patio in our new we we recently moved to Osseo. Oh, we've got this beautiful nice little patio out the back. Right. It's, it's nothing 
two grand to, you know, we live in a townhome community, so everybody has their little patio setups. But just sitting out there at night, it gives my partner such joy. Just to finish the night out there, just to sit and relax for a couple minutes outside. And there are days where it's like, no, I don't want to go out there because I'm tired. I'm inside. I'm watching TV. I don't want to go outside. Yeah. But, you know, you flat out, yes, this makes you happy. And honestly, when you do it, you're like, yeah, maybe this was for the best. And spending that time with them, even if it's 20 minutes outside before you go to bed, Mm -hmm. it means the world to them. And, and to be able to like say, yeah, and it's not even compromise, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I want to do this because this makes you happy. And then you go back and you think about all the things that they do because it makes you happy, Mm -hmm. you know, small stuff, like even the the, the tiniest of tiny stuff when it happens, you know? Oh yeah. My, my, my wife will, will, uh, would you mind doing this i'm sorry and i'm like you, right. do, you do so much shit like, right I, I don't mind at all it's yeah. fucking it's fine you like do more of this you did more it's fine that. to ask we just moved and uh it was double a's birthday my my lady double a was her birthday and so my mom gave her uh uh you know gift cards for this that and the other and right away she's like oh we could use that to get new towels for <laughs> for this and we can use this it's like don't do that that's your money yeah, you, know, you buy what you want with that type of thing, and it's it's small stuff like that where it's like, no, we'll take it if we're getting towels, we'll get towels together. You don't spend your money on towels. That's a gift for you from my mom. That's yours, you know. And again, that's that twenty minutes outside, you know. Yeah. The, the small careless things that end up happening, you know. And then, like I said before, you see the small careless things that they do for you, you know. Yeah. She she went to Chipotle the other day. And this, uh, this is so small and minuscule, but it meant so much for some weird reason. She went to Chipotle and then the kid and I went and got our own food or whatever. And we came back and they had this new adobo chicken. And it's, it's small as, how does that taste? Can I get a sample? And she brought the sample home so I could taste the sample as well. Wow. Right. Can I get a little more of that? And then can you put it in one of your to-go cups? That's so that funny. Way- it sounds small like that. She didn't have to ask him to get a sample to take home so I could try it. But she did because she knows that I'd be interested in it. And it's those small things that make going outside for 20 minutes, nothing, nothing at all worth it. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so when it came to um, like, what was the, if you're okay with sharing. Sure. Um, kind of the the tipping point to where, because you don't strike me as like an aggressive individual. Mm. Um, so, um, did it feel like more of a, you know, I give up kind of thing, like a defeatism, big time. Yeah, okay, big time. And I, I we tried, you know, we definitely tried to to recreate or or rebuild into something. You know, we, we took our time apart. We took a little bit of a breather apart. We decided that, you know, maybe it's some time that we needed. And then once we got that time apart, we realized that, okay, maybe it's not time. Maybe it is actually us, but it's hard to believe that it's actually us. Cause you care for each other. Still. Absolutely. Big time. She never stopped loving me. She just fell out of love with me. Mm. Complete two completely different things. Because then it's like, you don't know what to do. It's a fresh start. After seven years, eight years of being with somebody, and you have a kid, 
it's a complete fresh start for you. So you don't know what to do and you don't know where you failed and you don't want to fail again. And you, you just have that looming over you forever. You know, it's tough to tell you, you know, right off the bat, it's tough to say, Oh, I was married. <laughs> you know, oh, or yeah, when you yeah. tell, when you, when you tell stories about times you were together, it's like, uh, my wife, my ex wife, even today, <laughs> to, today, today, I still don't know what to say when I try to explain stories that we've been through, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, my wife at the time <laughs> sort of thing. I think in context, like in a situation like this, it's fine to say my wife, because you're mm-hmm. talking about a period of time. Oh, of course. So it works, Absolutely. But, but I, I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very defeating, you know, because this is, I grew up, you know, on that religious aspect where it's like, you failed at this, you failed at this marriage. And I took it so personally for so long. And, it took a long time, Chris. Seriously, it took a long time for me to just be like, dude, this happens. This is okay. Our split was probably one of the better things for our kid. That That's always interesting, too. Because like, I've asked quite a few people um, about when, when their parents split. And a lot of them will say, you know, they, they felt, felt a sense of relief. Mm. And they were surprised that they hadn't done it sooner like all these weird things that you you would hope that a kid doesn't have to have those like existential conversations with themselves Mm. um but yeah you you hear these uh these these kids seem to see something that you didn't and therefore the outcome they're hoping for isn't the one that you think it's going to be Right. But they seem to know that you're, it'll potentially be better. They see, so you see you putting forth this effort to try to make something work with somebody, even though that you'll go to the bitter end to fight with them to get, to get it done. They don't see that. They legitimately see fighting, bickering, arguing, hurt, pain, nonstop, back and forth. And I was never a part of that. My, I had a good family growing up, but I know that I never wanted to have my kid go through that. I've heard so many horror stories, and you see too many horror stories about it, and I didn't want my kid to go through that at all. And I knew that if we stayed longer together, that it would have gotten to that point where it would have affected him much more than it would her and I in the long run. And I didn't want that. I didn't want that for Ted at all. So I had to, I seriously had to, you know, think about it and take a step back and realize that, you know, what's best for our kid is for us to go our own ways. And we were lucky that we did it so at such a young age for him, you know, cause we split when he was two turning three. Oh, and to split at that age, that young of an age, like he doesn't know any better of the differences between yeah. the houses. Of course, when he's growing up, he'll ask, you know, why don't you guys live together anymore? And he just explained that, it's just we two different people, you know, and things just didn't work out. And it doesn't mean that I don't love your mom. Doesn't mean that I don't care about your mom. It just happens. When you, when you come to that realization, um, like, did you guys have mediation or we figured everything out on our own? Really? Um, yeah, because we just tried to think the best for the best of the kid. Uh. We figured everything out on our own. And then, of course, you have to go to the courts when it comes to divorce. If you have a kid, you have to go to the courts and go before a judge. 
and give them your plan, give them the mediation, you know, what, what you're thinking about for split, what you're thinking about financially. And then the judge can say whether they think that's best for the kid or not. Um, and we came in there, we were in judge actually flat out said, I don't know what happened between you two, but I hope that you guys can continue this path going forward because sounds like you have everything planned out for Teddy as much as you possibly can. Wow. Did you move out right away or did she move out right away? It took like- me about a month of sleeping on the couches before it was like, I got to go. I can't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I did go, uh, I didn't ask for half the house or anything like that. Cause that's where like legitimate, that's where Ted's house is. That's what he knew as a house. That right. was his home. So I was just like, there's a few choice things that I'm taking. <laughs> Surround sound, <laughs> big TV. You're gonna buy me a brand new bed. If you hit that light I one more fucking light. time, I love this light. It's looking <laughs> weird. Look at me. Look at me, light. Uh, it, 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 you know, you buy me a new bed. Buy me a new entertainment center. I appreciate you hitting that light. I so can't that way, believe that I did that I immediately. So, I appreciate you hitting that, so I didn't feel left out. <laughs> Thanks. That's great. <laughs> For the listeners, I went to do a stretch and. Forgot that there was a lamp immediately behind me. <laughs> Jake's only hit that little lamp twice, and I just almost knocked over a six foot fucking Perfect. monster. You got it. Uh, no, it was. It took a bit. I was there for thirty days, and then I moved into my parents' home for a year, uh, and then I moved into a buddy's basement for a year. How then, old did you say you you were when you split? Oh goodness! So it was ten thirty four, thirty three, thirty four, and then like all of our assets and savings were all together so we had joint banking and joint all this that so you know starting fresh from there and having to build that up was mm. that was something else yeah <laughs> i mean ugh, I, I can't imagine having to do that now i'm so dumb when it comes to that stuff but the relationship so i mean i guess you 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 guys realize that you're you know you're not going to be together you're going to work together towards this this goal um did that seem pretty effortless or were there still resentments there was so it was tough telling family the family aspect was very very difficult um because i got along so well with her family uh to the point where you know obviously you you get married to somebody in somebody else's family you're part of that family but this family like really, really took me in and took me in as one of their own. So telling family was very, very difficult for us. I obviously had to tell my parents cause I was moving in with them. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, getting divorced. So I, and I need a place to crash. <laughs> I'm not just going to show up and be like, Oh, what's this room all about? You mind if I stay here for months on it? Son, why do you have a sleeping bag? Yeah. <laughs> what's it? Divorce. It's hey, just, you get just a sleeping bag and yeah, you get a divorce. That's it's part of the kit. Like, oh, fresh divorce. Here's a sleeping bag, a place to stay. Um, and so we didn't tell her whole entire family for seven months. Okay, after we had decided, which made holidays very difficult. Um. Because I had to still go, I still went to holidays with the family still thinking that we were together. That's interesting. Why, do you know why you guys kept that up? Love of the family. Complete love of the family. 
Uh, and that wasn't possible if you were letting them know that I didn't want to hurt them. Didn't want to hurt them, letting them know that, you know, this was going to be pretty much it uh, for us. Uh, I, and even after that, I was still invited to family events for them. Her family still would, uh, get us Christmas gifts. Like she actually bought, uh, my ex mother-in-law bought my current lady double a she bought her christmas gifts one year oh wow like we legitimately went there for christmas and she bought her christmas gifts one year yeah right bizarre blew my mind but it was just one of those things where like that family was so good to me that it was so difficult to break their hearts and saying that we're no longer together uh but at the same time it broke my heart having to try to pretend like everything was cool you know yeah that was tough uh but once it, once we finally did, once we finally told people like, yeah, man, we're not together anymore. And, uh, they understood, but it was still very difficult to do. Um, I'm going to take a pee pee real quick. Do you think, okay. baby? Okay. Somebody from work getting involved with my family, which caused even more drama. And you're just what? like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that's too much. Man, and the Kardashians? That's way too much. What the fuck were we talking about? Oh, it's out of control. Okay. Now, the key component. Key component. This relationship that you now have. Yes. Where you're able to interact with each other. You're cool with new guy. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you get there? Takes a long while. Takes a bit. Like, what was the... You know, so you split and you're like, okay, let's be as cordial as possible. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Because this is, I mean, this is her choice for somebody new, but it's not my choice anymore. It's her choice. Uh, The biggest thing that you have to think about though in that is like, this is also the person who's going to be around my kid. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing is like, when, when I think about that, I go, I don't want for a fucking second for my kids to view this other person as a parent right it i just can't it doesn't compute for me yeah so i i know in my relationship that uh i do give double a some clout you know in the fact that there are days where i'm not i'm i'm working you know and she's there so therefore she has a little bit of clout on the say so of of the kid of you know especially you know, essentially chores okay respect this that the other but she's she's not there to be my kid's mom Right. You know, she's she's a bonus mom. Sure. <laughs> you know, and she takes care of him and she watches after him. And she, I mean, the first, the first couple of times that she'd been around him, she wiped his ass because it was potty training time, you know, type of thing. Oh, so she's been around for a minute. She's been around for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. Our double A and I have been together eight years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So she's been around for a while. Okay. But even then it's just, you know, where, where are the lines drawn on you know, where, where their authority can go. Um, and it's the same thing. Tracy does the same thing on her side of place or, uh, uh, on her side of the thing with, uh, Ted, you know, her fella, this is how far I want him to be in the parenting scale for our relationship, you know, and it's a discussion between her and I on how, you know, that works in between. If there's issues or we find that there's issues with the other person, we openly talk about it. Um, and then we figure out, you know, what's the best path to go from there. You know, I've had issues with Brad. She's had issues with double A. Uh, but then we find the compromise between it to figure out what's best for the kid. The kid's always the key. The mm. kid's the key component. Okay. Right. He's, he's like top of the chain. 
right? And everything that we can do that's best for him is a number one, right? While I there, while there were days, sure, in the beginnings where I'm like, you being with him isn't going to be the best for the kid. Mm. I, you know, that doesn't make any sense, you know. And I guarantee you, there were days where she's like, you being with her isn't the best for the kid, you know, because it's somebody new in that role mm-hmm. of you know the role that she was in for so long. Now there's somebody new in that role. And it's difficult to hand that role off to somebody else, especially when that key component is the most important thing in your life. Yeah. Well, and at that young of an age too. Yeah. Because there are, I mean, I grew up with too many kids where the parents would be introducing a boyfriend or a girlfriend like like on a regular basis. Yeah. And it's like, that's too much. Yeah. This this kid, you know, for however strong I hear this a lot that like kids are stronger or more resilient than you think. And it's like, but they're also super fucking fragile. Yeah. So the thing that you think is not bothering them, you have no idea. Ten years from now they're gonna be like, dude, my dad was bringing home a new girlfriend every fucking two yeah. months. Like it was a nightmare. Because they can't make those relationships. Yeah. Or even if they do make those relationships and the dad is consistently bringing something in, somebody in and out, they don't get to make that relationship. So then that's, oh, I got to know this person. This person's cool. This person's gone. And then what does that kid think of relationships? Exactly. Because then they think that they get that idea too, where it's just like, oh, it's cool to have somebody for a little bit and then they're gone. Yeah. They're here for a little bit. They're gone. You don't need, you don't need to put so much stock into them. Right, exactly. And that doesn't help them in the future at all. Like you said, how does that work for them in relationships for them in the future then? They think that's cool. They think that's okay. Not even that they think it's cool, but they just go, what's the point? Right. You no, know, yeah. uh, like, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I watch it affect kids now. And that's my, because I have kids, I have that, that future thinking where I'm like, oh man, you this this thing that you're doing I, a lot of it is like um uh projecting mm. where i'm like I, I there are things that i did early on in uh my wife and i's relationship that i know kids are going to remember unfortunately mm-hmm. and i and i am dreading like how they're going to cuz they do they seem resilient and they seem like they they are fine now but i have no idea if in the back of their mind they this event or events or whatever like still pops up in their head mm. and affects them. So add in strangers, essentially. Right. <laughs> non non bios, mm. I should say. Um, add in non bios to that uh that mix. And that I think that's part of why I can't compute like how the fuck you manage that. Right. It's a lot of patience, a lot of self searching, a lot of looking outside the box. Um I do that a lot more often than none. If I can look outside the box and really see it from both sides, it helps me understand. Too many times, like I told you earlier, too many times I internalize stuff and I would make it as such a personal attack against me Mm. that I would harbor that anger and that pain for so long and the frustration and then it would just explode and just blah. Because I would never understand because I never really looked at it in full. Mm. I just looked at it as that's an attack on me. That's against me. That's against me. Instead of like, seriously, take a step out. This is why she reacted to it. Mm. Okay. This is how she reacted. This is why she reacted. 
if I could have done, you know, and of course you play the, if I could have done this better, but you didn't. So you have to learn from it. Okay. Yeah. Looking outside of the box and seeing how those things are. And then taking what you've learned from outside of the box and using that now completely different story. Mindset gets a little more chill. Ideas get a little more clear. Mm. Thought process, seriously, you think even deeper than what you did before. It helps you realize the whole thing. Do you remember like the, I, it, it seem like it seems kind of gradual. So I guess I'm not sure if there was a, like a defining moment, but like where you didn't feel that like, I don't want to say ownership, but like that protective feeling of somebody else being with uh, your your ex-wife um yeah does that make sense oh yeah okay oh yeah there always was and she was in the opening months of their relationship uh i was definitely the protector in that you know there were things that <laughs> everybody does this i don't care what anybody says after they get divorced you let loose a little bit okay i let loose a little bit she let loose a little bit right but then there were times where it's like mm, so should you be letting that loose you shouldn't be letting that loose. Don't let that don't easy, easy. Right. But at yeah, the same yeah. time, like I don't look at myself and go, well, maybe I should just settle down a little bit myself. So of course that protective gets in there big time because that's all you knew. That's what you yeah, knew for yes. years. You know, you knew that you knew taking care of them. And now it's like somebody else is taking care of you. You have to, it takes so long for you just to let that go and just be like, she's going to be fine. She's an adult. You know, she can do her own thing. It's her life now. It's not my life to dictate. It's not my life to tell her this, that, and the other. The day that she told me, the first day that she told me that she, that he stayed at the house, right? That, that stung hard. But then again, it took me a bit to actually step outside of the box and then just box and just realize that's not my house. I was going to say, so did you guys both leave the house and go get your own nope. separate thing? No, nope. okay. she kept the house. Okay. Yeah. Because that's where Ted grew up. Okay. okay so okay. it's just one of those things where it's like, there's no way if I asked for equity in the house, she'd have to sell the house. Okay. And there's just, if I did that, I'd feel like such a dick on kicking her and him out of the house that she really, really wanted. You know, we tried so hard. We, we did everything we possibly could to get that house. We saved so much money. We, we did nothing for months. We spent no money on anything for months. That way we could put it towards that house because it was the one thing that she wanted the most. And to have our kid there and to have him start growing up there to all of a sudden just be like, sorry, you're now in a two bedroom apartment because mm. you can't afford the house. And that felt like such a dick thing. And I know she could have figured it out. I know she could, cause she's smart enough to do that. And she's smart enough to get that done. But it's just in my thought process of, being that guy who was just like, mm, no, that's what I, I couldn't do that. That's not the person I am. But yeah, back to your question. Absolutely. Absolutely felt protective of that kind of thing, you know? Uh, but again, it took a while for me just to say, it's not my business anymore. And that's so much easier said than done, but yeah, I was going to say so much easier said than done. But after a while, you just realize that, yeah, man, you have to move on with your life. You have to continue what you do. You know, because if you don't, then you're going to become a schlub and you're going to become uh, depressed. I mean, everybody holds depression and anxiety. I have nothing against it. I myself have it. And I've seen a therapist many a times <laughs> through me everything that I possibly need and continues to today. But 
you harbor that you harbor it in so much and that anxiety and depression will spin you out so freaking hard to the point where you're a shitty parent and you're not a good person to the people that you're around and the relationships that you forge, you just end up ruining mm. because you, you are so hard on yourself because of it. I, I think w- when you said that's not the person that I am, mm. I think that has a, a big role to play. Cause like, what was your, your folks relationship like growing up? Uh, together till all the way. Actually, my old man married my mom really young. Okay. And they stuck together till the day my old man passed away, which oh, was 2016. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, just talking actually his birthday was Wednesday. It would have been 70 on Wednesday. Oh shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Heavenly birthday. But it was just one of the, yeah, they were together throughout everything. Always supportive. Nonstop. Like I said, my old man worked sun up to sundown. My mom took care of us kids and him at the same time, you know, did everything she possibly could. So I think in that aspect, I became my mom mm. where I tried to do everything I possibly can just to take care of everything that I possibly could. I see. Okay. Because mm-hmm. that, that would make sense because you, you grow up watching uh, the effect that that has on you, especially when you start to meet other kids and you learn about their parents, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I remember like the first time I heard a kid or met a kid who was like, yeah, my parents didn't come home last night. And I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Right. That's where did they go? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't get that at all. I was like, did they are, do you live by yourself now? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, I had no idea about that either. Like growing up, like they they would, you know, you would see that. You would see that, yeah, I didn't come home last night. Where'd they go? <laughs> Can I go? <laughs> it's such a such a foreign concept. But so then it makes you reflect and go, I'm fucking lucky that I have oh, a, a parent around. I, you know, I was very lucky for both of my parents. Yeah, Like I said, my dad was a workhorse. That that dude, I I swear to God, he would come home with more cuts, scratches, nicks, bruises all the time from his work. He what, did what did he do? Road construction. He did construction for a long time. Um, he also he would he did some environmental construction as well. So you figure if they would go to uh, like a new site where let's say they were digging tanks for gas stations, oh, okay, they would have to go out and test to make sure that the dirt was not contaminated. To the point where they could dig, actually dig there to put tanks in. What was it? Environmental? Environmental construction. It sounds like uh, something that somebody would call themselves, like if they were growing weed. I mean, environmental That would have made it so much cooler. (laughs) Would have made it so much cooler. Uh, But he he was really into that. And like I said, there were times where... (laughs) digging up ground he had every license except for like probably a commercial pilot's license that you could think of he could work any sort of uh, machinery backhoes bulldozers anything like that like he could work any of the crane i think he worked a crane once he said he'd never do it again Mm. um but he uh there was a time where he was working with a jackhammer damn thing kicked up hit him in the mouth uh ended up ended up loosening like nine teeth and you move one, they would all move. So they had to yank them all out at the same time. Shit. Uh, but it was just one of those things where he always worked. It was just nonstop work, work, work. And my mom did everything she could to take care of us. She also did daycare mm. <laughs> as well. So she had nine kids plus us Ooh. running around the damn place all the time. And the fact that she still stayed sane for us was insane insane it's in itself oh yeah you know um 
super lucked out in the dynamic of being able to have both my parents around all the time. Yeah. That's so huge. And, and how you interpret it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wish I had better foresight when I was younger because I, I knew the relationship that I had with my, my folks and that I could go to them for things, but I didn't quite realize how I could communicate with them. Mm -hmm. Um, because if they didn't get a thing, then that was the end of it. I would yeah. just give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me forever to get to that dynamic with my parents. I think it took me till I moved out the first time mm. before I really got that dynamic with my parents. I moved out when I was 19 just because I wanted to go see what life was all about. Yeah. You know, I wanted to figure out who I was because, again, I wasn't a great student. You know, I wasn't going to college. I wasn't. I, there's no way that I was going to go to college just because I didn't have the the funds nor the legitimate drive to do it, mm. you know? And so I left at 19, got into the workforce, really busted my ass. Then at the age of 20, got a job at Best Buy and, okay. and legitimately just, I've been with Best Buy now for 22 years. Whoa. Yeah. Long while. That's and, crazy. And it was just, I think it was well past, you know, when I first moved home then at 25, uh, I really realized just that aspect of how lucky I was to have both my parents together. The, you, you had said that there was already divorce in your family. Yeah. A couple of them. Mm -hmm. The way that you viewed that was kind of interesting. Cause did you say you grew up in a religious mm -hmm. okay. Catholic grew up Catholic? Ah, okay. Went through all the sacraments. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Diddle, diddle, diddle. <laughs> Reconciliation. 85. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, that'd be great altar boys that are like hoorah yeah right <laughs> let's get that communion <laughs> um we're gonna go get hammered on holy wine <laughs> but i guess was it like aunts and uncles that had separated cousins or cousins my okay. age yeah so was it that that kind of because the midwestern way of talking about those things isn't necessarily like well, they're fucking dead to me. It, right. It's more of like, isn't that a shame? And so I grew up with, I, when we moved to Minnesota, I moved to Minnesota from California at the age of 10. Now, are your folks from California? My, my father is, my mother is from Minnesota. Okay. So that's what prompted us to move back to Minnesota, um, just for a better upbringing here. Sure. And we moved in with my aunt and my uncle in Alexandria for a little bit went to school there for about a month and a half okay and then moved to the cities and he, we were just very close you know we spent many weekends in alexandria uh with those cousins mm. and so it was very close i mean we had a very good relationship uh at the time like we would go we'd hang out all that other fun you know weekends there drive up on a friday come back on a sunday go fishing, anything to play with the cousins and stuff like that. Yeah. So my older cousin got divorced uh, and it was a nasty split. They had two kids before mm. the nasty split. Oh, okay. And then my second cousin, my other cousin, her sister also got divorced, nasty split, two kids. Damn. Yeah. And so it's like, I see these two just nasty splits and that's the last thing I want is to have to go through something like that as I well. I see. Okay. And on top of it, again, in that Catholic religious thought process, there is no divorce. Like that's there's 
just not, you do everything you can to try to make the relationship work. Um, and even my parents, even my mom was just like, yeah, this just isn't working. And for somebody of, of, and she holds her faith very tightly. Mm-hmm. And so for her to say, yeah, this just isn't working. Like maybe it's okay. <laughs> maybe it's okay that it's not working and, and it's okay to be like, yeah, it's, it's time to step away. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, uh, similarly it it was same for me like cousins got divorced Mm -hmm. and uh it seemed like everybody just kind of fell apart after that yeah and it was so it was it was very weird that like so now not only are you not supposed to get divorced because you're breaking covenants but now it's associated with these disasters yes so when you were saying before you you didn't want to bring another divorce Mm -hmm. it makes more sense now in the sense of like <clears throat> that that puts sorrow in 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 people and you don't know if you're going to be able to get to see your nieces or right. or uh you know second cousins i guess um and shit like that and and you know i i wish i could dive more into like kind of the fucking summer that i've had but <laughs> that'll be another show it's it's we'll we'll, the, we'll do this opposite i'll 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 do the interview oh, okay we'll yeah, dig, yeah we'll dig deep uh, but suffice it to say, like that concept of that feeling of if I didn't get to see my one of my nieces or nephews anymore, mm-hmm. that that felt like I mean, I felt like a fucking dingleberry in a field. Like right. it just felt I felt so small for some reason. Yeah. Um, and it's so heavy. So it's just another point to be like, like, I guess where I'm trying to go, my, my mind is kind of spiraling in, like I said, it's a yeah. foreign concept to me, but, um, w- like, did you, re- were you reassuring your parents or like, did they, they were to- reassuring me. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They knew that we had issues. They knew that we had issues for a while. Oh. Um, and I would always try to mask it as much as I possibly could. But that's kind of what I would have assumed. But they could always read it. You know? Okay. Parents know you. That's they, true. Mothers know everything. I hate to tell you, mothers know most things. You know, you, we we tried to hide a party that we had at our house for so long. Oh. Mom knew right away. She knew. She neighbors ratted us out, but she knew even before she left we were going to have a party over there. Like it's just moms know. So my parents were actually more reassuring with it. Interesting. Um, my old man, the, my old man, who's usually very soft spoken, didn't really say much. He was just like, "It's time for you to be happy." Wow, you know. And I, I, I held my own unhappiness in it for so long because I tried so hard to make it work, and I never realized that it just wasn't working. Mm. You know, they saw it. Uh, obviously, you know, my wife at the time, she saw it. It just wasn't working. So uh, they actually encouraged it. Really? Anything. Mm-hmm. And and that's always tough to do too. Um, I, I, it's it's always a tough conversation with people when they're talking about like, you know, an event that happened or just the the overall struggle that's been going on for you know years. And you hate to be like, you know, I'm not I'm not saying I want you to get divorced, but I do want you to know that if that's where happiness lies, yeah, oh, there's no judgment here or like. It's such a touchy thing. It totally because is. Then if you if you let them know that you support divorce and they don't get divorced, right? And they're looking at you like, 
you want us not to be together <laughs> anymore. And that's the only thing that forever. You're just like, yeah, I know in your eyes, you could just totally say that. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want you to be together with that person anymore. You know? And then when yeah, you're totally like when you're with that person. Oh, that awkward moment. Oh yeah. Oh, those awkward. Moments. Oh my God. It's yeah. It's rough. Um, not as rough as divorce, but, uh, <laughs> here's the best thing. This is the biggest thing that I could say about all of it, Chris. Like, it's life lessons more than anything. Okay. I now am with somebody who completely embraces my weird, understands my ego. Sometimes I don't even understand my ego. Sometimes yeah, <laughs> understands my ego sometimes. And sometimes like legitimately you have to, if you're in a divorce, you learn from that, right? You learn of the things that one, you really need in a relationship and two, what you need to bring to a relationship. Mm. You know, like I said, forever, forever, the insecurities in my relationship with my wife was ridiculous. And it was, like I said, because I internalized most of it and I try to fix it all myself. It's mostly my fault. And nowadays I try to work with my partner to fix the issues that we have. Try not to blow it up and try to like legitimately listen Mm. to the issues rather than internalize it and make it my own fault to try to fix it. Well, yeah, I, I was, I was curious about that too, is to like, when, when you enter into a new relationship, did it seem like the divorce that you had was not necessarily an isolated incident, but it was its own thing. And this new relationship, um, you weren't quite as concerned about, or did you have the, the fears in the back of your mind of like, what if, what if I fucking fuck it up again? I always do. <laughs> I always do. I always have that idea of, I don't want to fuck this up again. You know, and with everything. Like, oh, yeah. you, think, you, think, you think about when you, you screw up dinner, right? And you yeah. taste it and you're like, oh, I don't want to fuck that up again. <laughs> it's just, you, that, that's what happens. You, you don't want to fuck it up again. So obviously that goes in the back of your head of just like, this is starting to get a little bit serious. This is starting to get into some familiar ground. I'm being like in a strong relationship. Mm. I don't want to screw this up again. Um, and I, I was somebody who her herself has been married and divorced. And mm. she too was in that thought process of, I don't want to screw this up. Mm. You know, like nobody wants failed relationships underneath their belt. It yeah. doesn't, it hurts and it doesn't look good all the time. Um, but it happens. And that's the thing that, that I don't think people realize and they understand that this happens. Sometimes people just run their course. And it's okay to say that they've run their course. People grow all the time. Mindset, my, you know, body, thought process. Everybody grows. And sometimes when you grow, it just, it, you're not on different levels anymore. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. Well, and I mean, um, fuck, how was I going to word this? Oh, I just had a brain fart. It was right there. It was right there. Uh, well, I'll just move on to another question. <laughs> um, we're we're of a generation because how old did you say you are? Forty three. Forty three. Thirty five. So yeah, pretty pretty close. Yep. Um, that generation of like long term relationships for some reason means that you have to end it at marriage, or it has to lead to marriage. Right. Not always. I no, I know I now, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying like that, like, so because we're of that age, do you get pressure or after like the five year mark or whatever the fuck, did you 
get pressure from people to be like, well, so are you, you guys going to get married or? Oh, always. Yeah. Still, still to this day. We've been together seven years. So of course you get the classic. So when are you going to get hitched? Yeah. Uh, easy answer. Never. Yeah. Not right? going to happen. Um, she's been married. I've been married. Unless there's something like legally we have to do it for. There's just not any need for it. Uh, I'm comfortable in my relationship. I'm legitimately like clear, calm, relaxed in my relationship. I feel as if she's the same way. So it's like, if things are going right, things are going okay. There's just no need for it. But of course you get the, so when are you going to get married? And then comes, when are you going to have babies? When are you going to have damn kids? Yeah. Never. <laughs> We're good. Do you know that at, the, at age 36, uh, after 36, it's considered a geriatric preg- pregnancy. No kidding. Which. Oh, then I just, yeah, I made it by like five years. <laughs> but how insane is that? Like to think that that's 36, the, 36 is geriatric. Is, not anymore, man. Like I, I get that. Like that's probably, but you have to think about like how today's world is working. It's so different. Oh, I know. No, no, no. So it's, it's still considered geriatric. It's still considered geriatric because of the there's risks. Oh. the the older you get. So in practice, yeah, do people you think, are having kids. Do you later. think? I was gonna say, do you think that's why? I don't know. Do you think that's why some of these older superstars are just tag or older celebrities are just tagging younger gals nowadays? Maybe because they don't want to have them run into a geriatric <laughs> pregnancy. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's actually that's a good question because I think. Uh, Bald- I mean, Elon Musk. Didn't, Bald- um, didn't Baldwin just have another one at like 73? I think so. Yeah. God, that's so and she was. I think she was like maybe mid-20s, early 30s. So she kind of beat that out. Oh, yeah. And then once she hits 35, he'll just divorce her and then get another one and make sure that we have no more geriatric. If he's planning on procreating still. Of course. What a dick. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Thanks, Alec Baldwin. The the great Alec Baldwin giveth and the great Alec Baldwin taketh, unfortunately. Yeah, let's uh <laughs> we could play on that as much as you want. <laughs> uh but <clears throat> yeah, so I was curious about that and like I'm glad you have that outlook too. Is oh, like yeah. because I, I love that so much more now because the idea of commitment is already so tough as a species. Because we're biologically geared to stick it out for two years, and that's pretty much it. Mm. Uh, We need two guardians to help make sure this baby lasts the two-year mark, and then one of us can take it from there. Right. Which is wild, but like... It's insane. It's part of of nature, as Mm -hmm. they say. Um, So the fact that we figure out how to be able to be in monogamous relationships period is already a struggle on its own um you start adding on legal aspects to it the government documents and it's like what the fucking why right tax breaks and you know uh it's yeah it's why why is it necessary yeah i mean my wife and i always joke like if if we had a do-over we would have not done it and just stayed together (laughs) and that's i mean and that's the thing it's just like yeah, it's like we're married. Yeah. You know, we split bills. We split the, the, the rent at the place. You know, we, we split groceries. You know, we get groceries that we both eat. It, you're married, any? It's like you're married. You just yeah. don't have the paperwork or the, the paperweight on your finger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So your your son's outlook, are you aware as to like what his feelings are about having kind of multiple parental figures in his life? Totally cool with it. Yeah. Because I, I, <laughs> it's definitely two different worlds for him. And he's loving both. He's definitely taking in both. Um, his mother is very structured, uh, uh, very much a planner on things. I'm a planner too now. I never used to be. Always used to be like off the cuff, like, let's go here. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely has the best of both worlds. And you could tell that he loves them both. He absolutely loves them both. Uh, which is great. It's so great to see him shine like that and be and know that he's got two loving parents, two loving households, everything that he could possibly want in both of them. I know he's still asking me for like a mini fridge in his <laughs> bedroom, and I'm just like, that's all right, that's a little far, but <laughs> it's it's t- it's tough enough to get you away from TVs and uh, shit. So yeah, he's got the best room in the house. He's got all the video game systems and everything like that. So you're like, yeah, man, you have everything that you already want. Let's just deal with that right now. But he, you know, he loves having the two different households. You can tell. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, beautiful. I mean. Any advice on on the co-parenting side of things? Because, like I said, it was it's a, it's a foreign thing to me, mm. um, especially in the healthy way that that you seem to be able to go about it. You have to think, like I said before, you have to think about what's best for the kid. Always have to think about what's best for the kid. It might not be the best for you, but if it's the best for him, you have to be able to do that for them. You know, you made the commitment to have a kid. You decided to to do this and then you put you have to put in the time and the effort to make sure that that works because you don't want to screw that up man and then you don't want to live the rest of your life knowing that you screwed it up oh sure well jake it's always a pleasure i mean your voice is just (laughs) smooth jazz over the i'll tell you this uh (laughs) anytime anywhere i loved sitting down and chatting with you it's always so easy just to kind of have a conversation with you and uh, always good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Always, always man. good to see you. The good, good, good old fashioned old friend vibes for Hell sure. Oh yeah. Um, well, beautiful. Again, thank you. Um, you can you can catch Jake on the 4D, the 4D podcast network. Uh, you can catch us. Uh, our two main shows over there is Culture Cast Radio and Ring General Radio. Uh, we just like a lot of radio. <laughs> um, Culture Cast is all about pop culture, movies, music, TV. Ring General Radio is all about pro wrestling. So if you're into that, check us out. Hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Chris. All right. Thank you. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves.